Most of the time, we review books that we really like here on The Book Boys. Other times, we review books that stink. And when a book really stinks, we get fussy. So this is a warning that sometimes we'll swear on this podcast, or sometimes the material that we're reviewing will be adult in nature. So keep that in mind as you listen to this week's episode. Ben! Huh? How's it going, Ben? Real good. It's been a couple weeks since we last saw each other. Yep. Uh, anything exciting happen in your life? Don't say none of your business. <laughs> well, how did you celebrate your Independence Day, Glenn? Oh, I'll tell you. Okay. I have a job. Yeah. So now I have potential future money to spend, which I don't have right now, but I will in the future. So I pulled out the credit card and I bought a PS4 Pro. I don't know. Why? I have no idea why. A PS4? Aren't they on 5 now? Yeah, they're on 5 now, but you can't buy them. It's impossible to find. Okay. So I said, eh, I've been using Xbox for the last seven years, and boy, is it annoying. So I'm going to get a PS4 Pro, and... uh, and then me and my kids are going to sit around and play the games we always wanted to play, like Spider-Man, uh, God of War, just dumb stuff. None of it matters. It's cheap. They're cheap to buy. So I bought a cheap one. Okay. And uh, it, we got it, and I have spent the entire 4th of July weekend sitting around playing PS4 games. I'm not kidding. My oldest daughter yesterday spent 12 hours playing video games. And I sat on well, the couch watching. So that was my weekend. How about yours? I'm sure it's far less depressing. I um celebrate the Fourth of July. Are you looking at notes? I'm sending you a picture. Oh, you keep looking down. I thought you were looking at notes. Like you don't even know yeah. your own life. No, I spent Fourth of July as true patriots do, um, <laughs> with uh, George Washington at Mount Vernon watching fireworks in our nation's capital. You did? I. Did, yeah. Did you fly? Oh, my God. There's George Washington himself in that picture I just sent you. I was led to believe that's actually George Washington. Yeah, I don't mean to hurt your feelings, but it's probably not. You know, the one way to find well, out... Well, he's an imposter, if not. He was talking as if he was George Washington, so... One way to know for sure, Yeah. ask him if he really did chop down a cherry tree and if that whole story's true. And if he says no, he's a fake. I didn't ask him. Well, it's too late. I'd have to go back. Can you email him? Maybe. He's clearly still alive. Yeah, I And know. in high demand, so I'm sure he's know. got an email. I saw him. So what'd you do? Uh, did you do anything else while you were down at uh, Mount Vernon, besides just look at a, an actor in a suit? Again, I think it might have been him. But you never asked him the question, so you don't know for sure. Okay. Chances are it was actually him, though. I mean, they do Stranger have... Stranger things have happened. I mean, Botox has come a long way. Yeah. So they can keep you alive yeah, indefinitely, so. almost. But uh, anything else? So Besides the fireworks are during the day, which, I don't know, it's not great. How's that helpful? I don't know. They were loud, <laughs> which is nice. But oh, you're know. officially old. You get annoyed by the loud noises? Well, no, I'm just saying they had to make them loud because it's during the day, so you can't see them very well. Oh, I don't think they make them louder because it's during the day. I think they did. They seem pretty goddamn loud. Do they have, like, a PA system? I don't know. A series of microphones I mean, they're just they were just shooting them off from a barge on the Potomac right in front of Mount Vernon. At what time in the day? Like noon? One. In the afternoon? Yeah. Why did I say that? What other time would there be one in the morning? Yeah, no, it was <laughs> but, one in the afternoon. Why would they do that? Because so that's really, what they do. I don't know. Could you see them very well? No, not really. But they're loud, and I just I get to say, like, I saw 4th of July fireworks 
at Mount Vernon, so that's kind of cool. Right. I mean, is it? It's Mount Vernon. Well, that's I mean, not the hot spot for our nation, like, you know, founding fathers and stuff. Oh, God. Kind of, what do you mean founding fathers? Is the George Washington's house, for Christ's sake. Yeah, but I mean, like, did John Adams make pilgrimages to Mount Vernon? Probably not. I mean, it's not like a hot spot. What, what is a hot spot, then? Washington State? I don't know. Washington State? What would be a hot spot? I don't know. You tell me. You're the one. I'm saying Mount Vernon is. You're the one contesting that, so you name a hotter spot. Wherever Ben Franklin The burden went. of proof is on you. <laughs> I hate this conversation. Um, did you do anything else besides watch the fireworks? When I was in our nation's capital for Independence Day, because I'm a true patriot? Yes, yes. Anything else? Went to a ball game, because that's another all-American pursuit. Oh, the ball games are back yeah. on. Yeah, the ball game. On the sports fields. Did uh-huh. you enjoy it? Yeah, it was fun. You watch them toss around the old uh, uh, leather thing? Yep, the old hardball. Oh, threw, the old hardball. Threw it around the diamond. There we go. That yep. must have been fun for you. Had some beers. Had some beers. Had some nachos. Mm. Had a hot dog. Nachos make Had a pizza pizza. Well, you kind of ruined your own. All the food American and drink vacation. was included with the tickets, so I had a lot. All right, fine. Yeah. Uh, that's it, huh? Then you just flew what back do you mean, home. That's it. Would oh, you do something else? Where'd you fucking go? Nowhere. I played video games with my kids. Oh, that's it? Uh, when the fireworks went off, uh-huh. uh, I said, hey, kids, uh, we're in a prime spot where you can just walk around the neighborhood and just see fireworks up in the sky, all around us, everywhere, around yeah. Minneapolis. Did that happen? Uh, they didn't come out with me, but I went on my own. And I wandered the streets and saw a bunch of fireworks all over the place, walked down a couple blocks to where the train track is and got up on the train track bridge and just saw fireworks all across the horizon. And boy, was it beautiful, and I shared it with no one but myself. <laughs> my kids, I came back, uh. and I said, oh, yeah, I went to the train track bridge, and you can see everything. It's pretty amazing. There's just fireworks everywhere. And my youngest said, oh, I didn't even know you left. And I said, yeah. And then I ironed Because of the PS4. Yeah, because they're just playing the PS4. Yeah, okay. So I ironed some pants and then uh, went to bed. Because <laughs> that's the kind of life a single 47-year-old man lives. <laughs> yeah, well. But I got up this morning, uh-huh. went down to my work. Yeah. Uh, my new, well, not my new work, my old work that I'm working at again. It's new again now. It's new again. And What's... Uh, got a new ID photo taken. And uh, they asked me some health-related questions like, like, you ever have COVID? And I said, no. And they said, do you have it now? And I said, no. And they said, hey, you got a fever. And I said, I, you almost got me. I don't have a fever. <laughs> and they said, okay, okay, all right, all right. You got, uh, you got a cough? And they said, oh, you almost got me again. No, I don't have a cough. And we did that for like an hour. And then uh, finally got my hour. picture taken. Yeah, it was a long time. It was really weird. Also, what do they care? I mean, you don't start for another week, right? Well, yeah. But you have they now. also, the thing is, they asked me all these questions. And I said, I don't know if it's going to cut these questions short because it's all COVID-related, all the questions. Okay. And then there's other stuff like, yeah, hepatitis. I said, no. And Do they, they keep... not hire people that have ever had COVID? That seems discriminatory. Um, I don't know. They probably just delay your start date okay. or something. Sure. I don't know. Whatever. That's a detail that doesn't matter. But the point is, an hour's worth of questions about my, my, my uh, health history, uh, not just all COVID, a little bit about hepatitis and that kind of thing. Uh, and then uh, I said, you know, I, I got the vaccine. I have the card. And the lady said, oh, no, we, we already pulled that up. We saw that you're vaccinated, so you're good. I'm like, then why are you asking so me So what's with questions? all the questions? Yeah. I mean, they were every question. Runny nose, watery eyes. It just went on forever. Uh, and so that was weird. Got my picture taken. And as you and I have talked about in the past, I have a history 
of every photo for driver's license, I try to smile. Yeah. And I it look. It doesn't work. High. You should stop trying to smile. That's well, my advice for you. That's where I'm going with this. I, uh, I smile. My eyes get all crunched up. And I look high and I look smug. My smile looks smug. So next photo that I just got recently, same problem, but I look older. And then this time I thought I'm not going to smile. So I didn't. I didn't smile at all. I just sat there with a dumb face, staring straight at the camera. Yeah, that's a real dumb face you got there. Yeah, and so I sent it to you. Uh, yeah. it, it's its own new animal. I don't know how to describe I My first thought is... Yeah, I wish if, you hadn't sent that to me. That's not how I want to start my day. Oh, man. come on, Ben. That's my face. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's the problem. <laughs> I kind of look like a pedophile in prison. <laughs> real sad, kind of glum. The bags under the eyes are ridiculous. And I look, but I'm, and so my daughter said, uh, oh, well, I mean, you're wearing a fun shirt. Your shirt looks fun. Just like a t-shirt with stripes on it. Oh, your, your shirt looks fun. But, uh, yeah, your face, are you frowning? Did you try to make a frown on purpose? I'm like, no, my face just did that. That's me not smiling. I have a frown, like a sad clown. So that's, uh, that was kind of a poo-poo on my day, but I'm officially a, an employed man. I start on the 15th, so I'm pretty happy about, or 12th. So I'm pretty happy about that. Are you going to stay happy about that? Oh, Again, yeah. if you start complaining about this job, I, I don't want to hear it. Oh, I'll complain about it. I'll complain about any goddamn thing I want to. But I'll be getting paid, and I continue living in this house. Much like when you and I went for a beer and burger, uh-huh. uh, we're sitting there minding our own business. Uh, the wait staff is severely understaffed, uh, so it took a long time to get our next beer. Yeah, they were in the weeds. Yeah, and uh, a woman who had come out of a van and brought another older woman in a wheelchair into our area and sat next to us. They were minding their own business, chatting amongst themselves, and Ben and I are chatting amongst ourselves. And all of a sudden, uh, the woman that brought the woman in the wheelchair looks over at us and starts talking. I forget how she started the conversation, but man, she was chatting us up. Yeah. And uh, talked about how she spent time unemployed and uh, almost was homeless. Talked about a couple of her friends that were homeless and all sorts of fun stuff. And then kept talking about her mother that she said, uh, yeah, my mother, uh, she's a germaphobe. I said, when we bury you, we're going to bury you with Lysol or something. And uh, I and then I looked over at the woman that she brought in on the wheelchair and I was like, are you the mother? And she kind of nodded her head, yes. <laughs> talking about her in the third person like she's not there. Yeah, it was really weird. It was, it was really It was weird. a strange interaction. But man, she wouldn't stop talking to us. So I just realized we're going to have to lean into this also, conversation. Also, did you notice her drink? Uh, selection. Oh yeah, Bloody Marys with a lot of alcohol well, in them. But she didn't start with the Bloody Mary. No, she didn't. I, I saw her like, can I get a Bloody Mary with like three shots? I, yeah, I heard she, her say that, that. Yeah, but before that, she she said that as she was finishing her first drink, which was a Colorado Bulldog. Oh, that's which right. does not seem to go well with the Bloody Mary. I don't know. It just seems like a really odd combination to me. Man, can you imagine what her diarrhea is like at the end of the night? Yeah, just caramelized. Yeah. Just I mean, start with of... Coke and cream, and then you get <laughs> tomato juice. It was just an odd combination. Who knows what she drank after we left? We eventually just had to get up and be like, well, we're done here. Have a good night. And who knows <laughs> what she drank before she drove her wheelchair-bound mom over to the oh, bar. Oh, yeah, that's a good point, because she was drinking some hard stuff. Yeah. Ooh. And that poor mom. She seemed like a sweet lady. She was just, like, yeah. quiet and smiling. Yeah. Clearly, the younger daughter was not going to let her speak. No, never. And uh, But I kept, like, making jokes and talking straight to the mom and stuff, and she seemed happy, and she was laughing. But, yeah, it was just sad to see this one weird woman just, like, dominating the mom like that. Uh, yeah. 
But, you know, when you're trapped in a, a bar situation where someone will not leave you alone, I have learned to just lean in and just accept it. Stop fighting yeah. it. You're not going to get them to stop talking to nope. you. They're just going to keep doing it anyways. Yep. So that was our afternoon. Anything else, Ben? No. Nothing for me either. Well, let's move on to our next segment. Uh, backyard Blast with the, the, the bird. The bird. Uh, what is it? Bird blurb? Gretchen's Backyard Blast Bird Blurb. Ben, are you ready to talk about it? I am. And I, as usual, wait, do I need to pause? Do you need to cue up that music? It's just, in theory, going to start playing. You know this. We don't have headphones. We can't play this thing live. Okay, just so, do it. So is the music going now? Do you want me to make the music with my mouth? No. Okay, well then just start talking about it. Anyway, as usual, I have not looked at this beforehand and... This might take a while. She sent a lot. I'm sorry. Did she really? Yeah, it looks like it. She's overcompensating for last time. Yeah. So should I just dive in? <laughs> Why would I say no? <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know if you need another no, minute yet, to brace ben. yourself. Uh, I got to talk some more about my dryer. <laughs> hey, you got that part that's pretty exciting. I finally exciting. got the final part for my dryer, Ben. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Well, let's get into Backyard Blast Bird Blurb with uh, Gretchen's, Gretchen's mouth. <laughs> I forget what we called that a long time ago. Uh, Gretchen's Backyard Blast Bird Blur. Hope everyone had a great 4th of July weekend. <laughs> Today we'll talk about the double-crested cormorant, because I saw one on my walk recently. Oh, yeah, that's nice. All right, nice personal touch there. Thanks, Gretchen. <laughs> a little window into her life. <laughs> I wonder where the walk is. Didn't I ask her to report back on something? Oh, yeah, trench mouth. But go on. It is a large all-black water bird with a long neck and a long yellow-orange bill with a hooked tip. Okay, all right. It eats small fish and water insects. Okay, all right. It catches fish by swimming with its wings held out at its side. Nice. To dry off, it stands with its wings outstretched, facing the sun. Yeah, it makes sense. That's why you do that thing, yeah. Cormorant comes from the Latin corvus, meaning crow, <laughs> and marinus, meaning the sea. <laughs> so it is literally sea crow. <laughs> That's a long walk to get Ooh. to that point. Yeah, what? I know. It, I think you're going to be happy with the next segment here. Okay. Gretchen's tooth talk. <gasps> She's talking about it. And also, Gretchen, that's something, you know what's called all oral. It's all oral, yeah. Gretchen. <laughs> okay. Let's correct that right now. Did we also say Gretchen's tips? All uh, oral with Gretchen's tips. There was we had a whole thing we were doing for yeah. a while there. Anyway, right, so on. all oral with Gretchen. Last time there was some questions about trench mouth. Oh yay! Uh, She's doing it. Yeah. Another name for trench mouth is A N U G. I don't know if I pronounce that Inug or if you just say the words. I don't know. It's Anug. A N U G. Anug. Or acute necrotizing ulcerative gingivitis. <laughs> The term trench mouth comes from World War I, when Ooh. many soldiers in the trenches developed this infection, which is a severe form of gingivitis and periodontitis. Oh. Predisposing factors include poor oral hygiene, smoking, <laughs> poor nutrition, and a weakened immune system. 
Treatment includes removal of the dead gum tissue Ooh. and antibiotics mm-hmm. and improving oral hygiene to prevent recurrence. It is most common in underdeveloped nations and areas with poor nutrition and living conditions. Would bums count as something, a bums disease? I think, generally speaking, bums probably have poor nutrition and living conditions. There we go. It's a bums disease. But it's also a soldier's soldier's disease. I would give Corey that much credit. Well. Corey, back in 89, bums disease, not soldier's disease. This wasn't a guy that could survive in the trenches. Where does bad light go? To hell. To prism. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's weird. (laughs) It's weird. It caught me off guard. That one got me. What's the difference between a cat and a frog? Their legs. I don't know. A cat has nine lives, but a frog croaks every night. Oh, oh, son of a bitch. Yeah, yeah that one catches yeah, you. That one catches yeah, you. That one pins yeah. you down. Knock, knock. Oh, knock, knock. All right, got it. Who's there? Glenda. Glenda who? Glenda door is locked. Glenda door. Oh, Glenda door is locked. Oh, my oh, God. Wow. Personal was, touch there. Do you think she... Did she make that, that up? She crafted that on her own. Did she? Oh, my God. I think she crafted that all on her own. Wow. She sat there in the bathroom for a long time working yeah. on her teeth and thought of it. Presumably why she was lot, detoxing right? from whatever drug she's trying to kick. I don't know. Opium? I don't know. You tell me. You're the one who was throwing out all these drug problem theories <laughs> last time. I can't help it that I think she's got a drug problem. It's probably an opioid thing. It's all right. I mean, she's a good person still. Wow. So she thought of that on her own during one yes. of her hallucinations. I, apparently. Knock, knock. Yeah, another one? Who's knock, there? Knock, knock. All right. Who's there? Water. Water who? What are you doing? Just open the door. <laughs> All of her knock-knock jokes are very based on just interacting with yeah. the door. Just just <laughs> open the goddamn door already. It's just all about, like, I can't hear you, yeah. or please open the door. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. I think maybe you should just get a peephole on your door so you can just open it when somebody knocks instead of yeah. going through this whole... I could just do, you could say knock, knock, and I'd be like, I see you. (laughs) And that's the end of the joke. No more punchlines after that. Yeah. Anything else? Nope. All right. Well, with that, let's... Thanks, Gretchen. Thank you, Gretchen. Good luck kicking that opioid habit, finally. She didn't address the bums disease comment Mm -hmm. directly, but I think she still supported it. I think she touched on it. In a roundabout way. We we know what she's getting at. Yeah, we know exactly what she's getting at. Well, with that, let's uh, dive into... uh, that that's <laughs> I never remember this. That's what's hot new. Oh, that's that's what's, what's up. New books for teens that slap. Oh yeah. This week for the teens, we're gonna read a new book that I think Ben's gonna appreciate because you're a practical man. Well, we're not gonna read it, right? Well, no, we're gonna review it. It's it's fine. Well, we're not gonna review it either. We're gonna read a review of it. I hate this. If you can't help me figure out the wording of this, then just be I'm quiet. trying to help just you right sit now. Back quietly. Stress-free ACT: A Step-by-Step Beginner's Guide to ACT Preparation uh, by the Princeton Review, part of the College Test Preparation. Wait, what? Yep. About stress-free ACT, eight steps to ACT success. Wait, what, what, what are you doing right now? It's for teens. What, what it's is in the this? teens section. 
Eight steps to ACT I success. Stress-free ACT is a simplified, user-friendly beginner's guide to this crucial college admissions test. All it walks readers painlessly through major touch points of their ACT journey. From getting familiar with the test uh, to setting a target score Ooh, and figuring out how to achieve it. Worried about applying to college and uh, have many questions about the ACT? Eh, question mark. Oh, the person review is here to help. Stress-free ACT is your go-to orientation for everything you need to know about this test. With eight easy-to-manage steps. This book guides you through the early stages of ACT prep and your college admission journey anxiety-free. Inside, you'll learn strategies uh, to ace all five sections of the test. English, uh, math, uh, reading. Ben, you want to jump in on what you think the next one is? Uh, science. Oh, you found it online, didn't you? And the optimal, <laughs> the optional writing section. Discover how to research schools and plan out your testing goals. Oh, take a mini practice ACT in the book and access a full-length practice ACT online. The ACT can be intimidating. Uh, don't worry, this book will set you on the path to success. You might even wonder later uh, what you were oh, uh, oh, so anxious about. <laughs> That's coming out July 6th. That's tomorrow, uh, 2021. You can find it on Amazon. Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, Hudson Booksellers, IndieBound, Powell's, Target. Is it on bookshop.org? Well, it says it is. Well, I would recommend that's where you buy it from then, because bookshop.org <laughs> is on a mission to financially support independent booksellers. Go to bookshop.org slash shop slash nuzzle house. And Walmart! <laughs> <laughs> well, let's move on to the goddamn book. This week, we're reading Love Story by Eric Siegel or Eric? I think I would just say Eric. Probably. I thought it was Eric, too. E-R-I-C-H, but I think it's pronounced Eric. Pretentious. Maybe he might. Uh, it's kind of like uh, when my ex-wife did that guy, Ian, but he pronounced his name Ian. You never know the spelling like E-R-I-C-H. It was I-A-N and he pronounced it Ian? Yes. The fuck that guy. She made me meet him one-on-one -on -one without her around. Wait, Why? I, it's because he wouldn't meet the kids unless he met me first. He had this whole rule. It's a long story, but I had to meet him, and I didn't want to. So I'm like, do I? And she's like, you have to do it. So I'm like, all right, fine. So I set it up where we met at a place that does tanning beds and bubble tea. It's in Richfield. So I made him meet me out there, and we had bubble tea in a place that also has tanning beds. We didn't do any tanning. We just sat there. Small table with her knees wait, touching. Wait, wait, so did you do that intentionally, just to make him uncomfortable or something? Yes, because I didn't want to be there. And so I'm like, if I have to be there, I'm going to pick the weirdest place. And I found a place that serves bubble tea and also has tanning beds. And uh, the tables were round and small, and our knees were touching underneath the table. <laughs> so, and I said, so, uh, Ian, he goes, I am. Anyways, with a name like Erich, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets all pretentious. It wants that. Ben! Do you want to give us a little, uh, oh, I'll give you a little background of the book. Published in February 14th, 1970, on Valentine's Day. How fitting. How That's sweet. a weird little twist. I wonder if that was planned. Probably not. 1970 romance Wait, novel what? by American Are writer. Are you serious? 
I'm joking. Okay. Eric I think it was Siegel. planned. I think that was intentional. Yeah, I think it's been planned for like a year in advance. Uh, the book's origins lay in a screenplay that Siegel wrote that was subsequently approved for a production by Paramount Pictures. Paramount requested that Siegel adapt the story into a novel as a form of, as a preview of sorts for the film. Love Story became a top-selling work of fiction for all of 1970 in the United States. It was translated into more than 20 languages. Uh, the novel stayed in 41 weeks. New York Times bestseller list, which we both know is a scam. If you're on, if you're a New York Times bestseller author, uh, it's yeah. a scam. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Reaching the top spot, Love Story, the movie was released on December 16th, 1970. It starred Ally McGraw, Ryan O'Neill, and a young and impressionable Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah, how about that? Love Story became a TV show. A TV show from October 3rd, 1973 to January 2nd, 1974. It focused on general heterosexual love around the United States. Wow. It wasn't even based on the story. Just like, you know, other people just have the love brand. stories. Just the concept of being just straight and in love. Uh, the sequel, Oliver's Story, uh, was published in 1977. The story of Oliver, who immerses himself in his work uh, until grief, uh, because of grief, so he finds a new love with Marcy Bonwit, the wealthy and beautiful heiress of the Bonwit teller fortune. He has a hard time moving past Jennifer's death, and he and Marcy split up. He learns more about his father, makes peace with him, and he joins the Barnett Enterprise. So he's not even with the woman. He's just still on his own. Because love is that strong. The movie, Oliver's Story, became a movie December 15, 1978, starring Ryan O'Neill. And here's the thing. Ryan O'Neill was offered a reported $3 million for his role. He originally turned it down, saying so he was unhappy with the script. He said, and quote, it's just a rehash of the book, which didn't interest me. I know. Yeah. Well, a little respect for Ryan O'Neill there, I guess. I know. Although he, he ultimately ended up taking the role. So. He did end up taking the role. But at Everybody's least he could got call the prize. A, a crass cash grab is what he saw. But it also started Candace Bergen. <laughs> the love story became a musical, of course, because musicals are made out of almost anything. Uh, if, uh, I don't know, Sean Penn accidentally farts, someone's going to make a musical out of it. So that was a uh, 2010, 2013. Uh, love story movie got remade as just called Love in 2008. <laughs> love story became a BBC radio drama. Uh, uh, 30th of August, 1997. And this also birthed the magic quote, this book, this story, the author's mind. Love means never having to say you're sorry. And yeah. in context of why she said it is ridiculous. Yeah. Background of the author, he's a miserable person. And <laughs> I, I learned to like him a lot less as I learned about him. Because <clears throat> for one, he's obsessed with the idea of masculinity. Uh... June 16th, 1937, died January 17th, 2010. Eric Wolf Siegel. Oh. I wish my parents would have given me a better middle name. Eric Wolf Siegel. Of course he went to Harvard University because that's all anything he ever writes is said <laughs> in. <laughs> His first academic book, Roman Laughter, the comedy of Platios, revolutionized the great Roman comic playwright best known today as the inspiration for a Broadway hit, A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum. Uh, he published a book on the history of theater called The Death of Comedy. He's one of the writers of the screenplay for the Beatles' 1968 motion picture, Yellow Submarine. Have you ever seen that? No. It's dumb and boring. Uh, so, of course, he's a writer for it. Oh, love story? <laughs> the novel proved problematic for Siegel. He acknowledged that its success unleashed egotism bordering on megalomania. And he was denied tenure at Yale. Moreover, love story was ignominious. Ign Ignominiously. Ignominiously. Say it for me, Ben. Correct no, I, me. Yeah, why don't you try it once more? Ignominiously. 
Correct. Is that close? All right. Bounced from the nomination slate at the National Book Awards after the fiction jury threatened to resign because the book is not good. (laughs) (laughs) Siegel later said the book totally ruined me, even though it made him a shitload of money and he was fine. After Love Story, he wrote a novel called The Class in 1985, uh, a saga based on, oh, I don't know, the Harvard class of 1958, because <laughs> all he writes about is Harvard all the time. And it was a bestseller, of course, because people suck. Uh, he wrote Doctors, which is another New York Times bestseller, which we both know is a scam. Uh, I wrote here <laughs> the term spurts. Siegel was an accomplished competitive runner, sports. Uh, he began marathon running during his second year at Harvard, of course, and finished in 79th place of the Boston Marathon in his first attempt. He recounted that after one Boston Marathon, someone yelled, Hey, Siegel, you, you, you run better than you write. So that's fun. Siegel covered the marathon as a color commentator for telecasts on both 1972 and 76 Summer Olympics. Uh, his most notable broadcast was in 1972 when an imposter... Uh, West German student Norbert Sudhaus ran onto the Olympic Stadium ahead of Shorter, and an emotionally upset Siegel screamed, that's an imposter, get him off the track. And also, this is a quote, this happens in Bush League marathons, (laughs) because he's an asshole from Harvard. Wow. (laughs) Throw the bum out, get rid of the guy. Moments later, he personalized his on-air remarks by saying, come on, Frank, you won it. It's a fake, Frank. Amby Burfoot? which is a bizarre name, called Siegel's account one of the most unprofessional, unbridled, and totally appropriate outbursts, inappropriate outbursts in the history of uh, Olympic TV commentary. That's a lot. That's wow. a long walk. Yeah. I just want you to understand how annoying the book is uh-huh. because as soon oh. as the book was made, it's annoying. he milked it for everything you could get, yeah. plays, movies, television shows, and then him as a human being, horseshit. And, of course, we can't talk about Love Story without mentioning former Vice President Al Gore, huh? <laughs> uh, no, you had mentioned this before that you said that he thought the book was about him or something. Is yeah, that... I'm not sure if that's true, though. I just heard that from somewhere, that he always claimed that. Also how he claimed he invented the Internet, but yeah. also that Which... Love Story is supposed to be about him and Tipper. And I know people make fun of him for saying he invented the Internet, but there's also some truth to Isn't that. that explain that to me before you get into your factoid? Yeah, so about the internet in Elgar. Um, <laughs> internet pioneers Vint Cerf and Bob Kahn noted that, quote, as far back as the 1970s, Congressman Gore promoted the idea of high-speed telecommunications as an engine for both economic growth and the improvement of our educational system. Hmm. He was the first elected official to grasp the potential of commu- computer communications to have a broader impact than just improving the conduct of science and scholarship. Hmm. The Internet, as we know it today, was not deployed until 1983. When the Internet was still in the early stages of its deployment, Congressman Gore provided intellectual leadership by helping create the vision of the potential benefits of high-speed computing and communication. Weird. I thought he just funded it, but he actually was involved in it. He was like an advocate for it and, and promoted oh, it and oh, pushed so he it. Was yeah. just, so this whole thing about, okay, so going back to the original point, I thought when he said, yeah, love stories written about me and Tipper Gore, uh, I thought, well, this is the twice now he's trying to take credit for something. Yeah. Do you think it's actually, is this true? About love story? Yeah. It is sometimes said that Al Gore falsely claimed that the plot is based on his life at Harvard. In fact, Al Gore mentioned correctly that he had read that the characters were based on him and his wife. Hmm. 
1997, author Eric Siegel confirmed Gore's account, explaining that he had been inaccurately quoted in the Nashville Tennessean and that, quote, only the emotional family baggage of the romantic hero was inspired by a young Al Gore. <laughs> so the I hate my dad thing is just, guess so. that's all Al Gore. Yeah, wow. And then also, there's more. <clears throat> but it was Gore's Harvard roommate, Tommy Lee Jones, who inspired <gasps> the half of the character that was a sensitive stud, a macho athlete with the heart of a poet. Eric huh? Siegel had met both Jones and Gore at Harvard in 1968 when he was there on sabbatical. Holy shit. So there you go. How come I never grew up knowing incredibly famous people? Like, he just knew Al Gore. Well, because you didn't go to Harvard. Harvard men, no other Harvard men. Ben, do you want to review the story? Sure. Go on. Uh, boy meets girl. Uh, boy is a hockey player at Harvard. Yes. Because of course he is. Of course he is. Girl is a bookish music type at Radcliffe College. Yeah. Uh, they... They don't seem to have much in common, but they fall in love. Uh, and then uh, uh, she gets leukemia and she dies. And then he gets—he has a difficult relationship with his father, but then they kind of reunite at the end. Yes, they do. Uh, that's about it. Yeah, that's pretty much There's it. Not much, it's, it's a short novella. Yeah. Not much happens. I'm glad that you... Uh, I'm actually a little disappointed that you didn't come up with a voice for this. I don't know. What would be like a romance voice? Or would it just be Orson Welles? I don't know. Should I... Kind of like a god voice. Well, it's a tale as old as time, boy meets girl. <laughs> okay, you're done. Let's move on. Uh, yeah, Oliver Barrett the Fourth. Yep. And uh, Jennifer Cavallari. He, oh, I should I should say too. Uh, opposites attract. You know, Oliver Barrett the Fourth. He comes from money. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Jenny, not so much. She's working from a, a, a good, solid working class family from New Jersey. They're a pastry family. They make pastries. Uh, Radcliffe College was a women's liberal arts college in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and functioned as the female coordinate institution for the all-male Harvard College. So still probably an affluent school. Yeah, it was this, the, the girl Harvard. So it's him picking on her school not being as good as Harvard. And now I think it's just part of Harvard, isn't it? I think it's, isn't that just like a campus of Harvard or something? Yeah, my point is rich people with their caste system. Yeah. Uh, it's it's just wealthy people with wealthy people. Fuck all of them. Um, he goes to the library at the school, uh, the Radcliffe campus, because it's quieter and has more girls. Because he's a man's yeah. man. We're constantly he, being fed. How wait, much wait, wait. Didn't he is. say something? Didn't he have some derogatory term for the girls, too? Oh, I don't know. I missed that part. Um, do you call him, uh, where, you going, where are you going on those getaway sticks? What do you say to him? <laughs> <laughs> Look at those gams. I'm going to the gams library. Um, <laughs> in the fall of my senior year, I got into the habit of studying at the Radcliffe Library. Not just to eye the cheese, <laughs> although I admit that I like to look. The place is quiet. Nobody knew me, and the reserved books were less in demand. The cheese. What the, the fuck cheese. is that supposed to mean? Gotta, gotta love eyeing up the cheese. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. So once I get out there and I start trying to date again... Is it okay for also, me to, to say to a woman, like, ah, you're a nice piece of cheese. You're a nice full piece of cheese. Yeah. Also, what's the, the implication that uh, the women don't read or something? Yeah, I guess. The, the reserve books were less in demand. Because, mm. you know, girls, they don't like to read that much. I guess you're probably right. I was just kind of assuming, like, what, a smaller school or something? But, oh. yeah, you're right. Yeah. He's probably just saying they're not that bright. The cheese aren't very literate, are they? No. Dumb cheese. Yeah. Dumb, full, moist, oily cheese. <laughs> oh, you've been sitting out all day? Yeah, you've been sitting out all day, haven't you? 
God, I love cheese. Anyways, uh, so he asked the clerk, Jennifer Cavallari, uh, for help finding a book. And uh, she insults him, calling him a preppy. And uh, he calls her a cliffy. That's the best insult he can come up with. Yeah. Cliffy. Uh, Good. Radcliffe. I so I, I, my note is making fun of the fact that. that her expensive campus isn't as expensive as his expensive campus. Oliver's attracted to her beautiful brown eyes and legs. Uh-huh. Yeah. All right. So we've already established very early on in this book that he's a man's man that's all about being a man. He invites her out for coffee, uh, their delicious banter, uh, insults, and flirting. And he, he says he thinks to himself that he can't do his playboy thing with her because uh, she sees right through him, and uh, she isn't like the other girls. So he has to be real with her, just like Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh, I want to beat you. Ah, but you want me to talk about my feelings. <laughs> <laughs> he invites her out for coffee. I already talked about that. He invites her out to watch him play hockey, which is just a shit show. His writing is so bad. I have a note for this later and what's like the best and the worst of this. Uh, his writing is so bad that I think he said like that the other team brought them to their knees or broke their back. The other team really broke our backs yeah. uh, when they won the game or whatever. And he goes, but that's a figure of speech. Actually, the goalie was fine when he got up. <laughs> and I was just like, God, you're a bad writer. You can't. <laughs> you could have just said the other team broke our backs, uh, and I get it. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to just explain it and spell it out for me. So, yeah, the hockey game was just sheer hell. Oliver brings Jenny home uh, to meet his parents, uh, and she could tell he doesn't like his dad, and I wrote classic rich boy uh, trope. Uh, after meeting Jenny, his father uh, declares that if, uh, if he uh, ever marries Oliver, he'd be cut off from the inheritance, which is another classic rich boy trope, so there's no real imagination in this story. Uh, another rich nope. boy trope... Oliver proposes to Jenny in spite out of his dad, and I wrote, that's not real love. Uh, and then they get married, and another rich boy trope, I wrote in all caps, is that they are broke for a while while Jenny supports him and he goes to Harvard Law School. But then they're happiest while they're poor, because being poor can be idealistic and fun, as long as he's a Harvard student that can get out of it at any time he wants. Yes. <laughs> Oliver's yeah, family makes a piece yeah, poor, poor without consequences, basically. Absolutely. It's like, like for them, it's, a, it's like a fun little yeah. experiment. Oh, yeah. this will make Dad so mm. mad. Oh, we can't go out to eat every night. This is so... Oh, yeah. we're so bohemian. Yep, and they do it for three years, and then finally it's yeah. like, well, okay, and now let's eat all, all the time, and I'll yeah. buy you all the little trinkets you always want, and that kind of stuff. So it's just... The author... So the thing is, uh, with this, I'm getting the sense halfway through the book... Is it that the author is a good person writing about bad people? Or is it that he's a bad person writing about what he sees himself as? And I think, I think it's he the latter, sees, right? Yeah, yeah, I think he sees himself as Oliver because it's constantly man's man shit. Yeah. No other man's as tall as him or as good at sports as he is. And just it goes on and on and on. Uh, Oliver's family make a peace offering by inviting him to his dad's 60th birthday party, and he won't go. Jennifer gets mad at him and storms out, and he spends the whole night looking for her, and eventually he finds her standing on the stairs uh, of their apartment, and I wrote, all of this is boring, and also the classic quote comes up. Do you want to say it, Ben? Uh, well, I was going to save that for my corner at the end. Oh, okay, sure. But anyways, yeah. classic quote comes up. Classic quote, uh, you can still read it, uh, is that uh, love means never having to say you're sorry. Yeah. The pretense of this is she got so mad at him, and when you get mad at someone in a relationship, it's because you want them to see your side or agree with you. So then when she left the place and took off, it's because she's so fed up, she just wants him to see this act and hopefully come running and say, hey, I'm sorry, I see your point of view. 
So he finally does chase her down, gets her back to the steps, so she's getting what she wants, and then she says, love means never having to say you're sorry. But the whole act of running out of the apartment was to get him to say I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Horseshit. Oliver uh, graduates law school and takes a lucrative job, and I wrote, of course, in all caps. After only three years of actually being poor, they start buying all the luxuries they've been without. Then they decide, nah, let's have a baby. Uh, Jennifer has problems getting pregnant, and I wrote, not Oliver, of course, it's the woman's fault. And it is her fault, because it turns out she has leukemia, (laughs) and she's dying. The best part of all of this, from a man that loves her with all his heart and will do anything for her, the doctor says infantilize her. Don't tell her she's got this disease. Yeah. Just let her run around like a toddler until she's dead. And then he goes, okay, good idea. I won't tell her what's going on with her own body. So first of all, fuck the doctor and fuck him. Yeah. I mean, is this just, was this normal 50 years ago? I don't, I don't you know. know maybe. That, how... I don't know. Because this is like, he wrote this in 69. Yeah. So who knows what it was like back then. But I do know that doctors would talk women out of stuff all the time. Like a woman would go to the doctor and say, like, I'm having a problem with whatever. And they just go, ah, it's you in your head. So I know that back then that was an issue. Uh, So anyways, but she finds out uh, and uh, confronts the doctor. She rapidly gets sick. She has to be hospitalized. Oliver quits his job uh, to be with her and asks asks his father for the 5K to cover the hospital bills, but won't tell him why. The dad even says, is a... is another lady? And then he goes, yeah, dad, it's another lady. And the dad goes, okay, okay, all right, here you go. And just hands him the money. And then uh, Oliver tells uh, Jennifer's family, because they didn't know yet, apparently Oliver has access to all the information. She yeah. plays no role in nope. anyone that's nope. going on. She has no agency of her own. She's Not at all. <laughs> She's just a delightful little puppet. So uh, then the... The family comes, and so then he moves in with them because he can't afford his place, so he's, he's choosing temporary poverty again because it's a, it's a, a sign of dedication. Uh, he takes up cleaning duties. That's where I wrote that down. I thought that the parents were, like, cleaning houses or something because he took up cleaning duties while he waits for Jennifer to come home. That actually was a thing. The dad was cleaning and yeah, stuff. No, and was just, I, I guess just more, their apartment. I don't I think know. He was more just occupying his time. And- uh, she says uh, dying is like falling off a cliff in slow motion. And she dies in Oliver's arms. Oliver's father, learning what happened, rushes to be with his son. Uh, and I wrote, probably relieved that that woman is out of the picture. Uh, and that's kind of all I have for that. That's kind of my personal rundown of everything I hated about this story. Yeah. Do you got anything you want to add to that? Uh, no, I think that was pretty comprehensive. I got a quote. I... Okay. <laughs> oh, do you want to say something? I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. Go for it. Uh, when he's chasing her down after she left to yeah. later tell him that love means never saying you're sorry... Uh, he goes into the Rad, uh, Radcliffe like music area yeah. where the band students yeah. are. Yeah, uh, looking for he, thinking she might be there. Yeah, and a, a quote, an ugly, big-shouldered Radcliffe girl <laughs> yes. was playing the piano, and she's playing it horribly. Uh, she was playing something. I forget what she was playing. Uh, yeah. It's like Mozart or something. She kept fucking up going, damn it. So he walks in and sees her playing the piano uh, when he's looking for Jenny uh, after the birthday argument, and, and then he says to her, uh, What's what's the scene? <laughs> <laughs> also, I with all my heart, I hated the banter. This guy's attempt at what he thinks is good banter is just horrible. You mean with the two with the the young lovers? They're they're yeah. back and forth. Yeah, yeah. Because that's the whole thing about this movie is you're supposed to wish that you had a relationship like theirs because they're witty together yeah. and they're so clever. They wanted to name their baby Bozo. Yeah, and that was like for real. 
Yeah. They weren't joking about it. Nope. He's they, for they real because it's like Bozo is like a great name for another Harvard-related sport yeah. person that he knew. Uh, how he keeps idolizing the Harvard guys, the supreme athletes, and this person would be one. I'm just yeah. like, no one thinks of Harvard as being where you kick out the, these awesome, badass athletes. Harvard is where the guys go that become lawyers and become senators and that kind of shit. Yeah. It's not where, like... The person on the like suddenly becomes like the next giant football cap, you know. I don't know sports. Uh, Harvard yeah. is not badass when it comes to sports, but in this book, the guy's like, "Yeah, you're a Harvard row person for the yeah. boating team. Yeah. You're literally going to get nothing but puss everywhere." <laughs> <laughs> All that Radcliffe cheese. They love oh, a my, rower. Oh my god, you become a rower, you get so there's Radcliffe cheese crawling so all over the walls, yeah. man. Brie. Camembert, blue, cheddar. Munster? Oh, yeah, you stay away it. from yeah. those big-shouldered Munster cheese girls. <laughs> Absolutely. You got anything else you want to add before we dive into what sucked? Uh, no, let's dive into it. What sucked? He's a bad writer. Uh, I got the quote. Uh, quote, that really broke Dartmouth's back. Uh, that's a metaphor. The goalie actually got back up and he was fine. <laughs> <laughs> I know, that was so bad. I, uh, it was just, the book was so short and the characters as they were, were so thin. And like, mm-hmm. like you said, I think you're supposed to want to relate to these characters and like, oh, I wish I had loved like that. But it's yeah. just like, you don't know these people at all. It's just like yep. this really superficial banter back and forth. And Insanely then Insanely superficial And then banter. she dies. And like, I don't even know, what was the point of the story? Was it the love story? Or is it like Oliver and his dad more? It seemed like, because that was more of the focus. Was it just yeah. the relationship between... Uh, a man and his father. No, that's a really good point because um, I just went through like the thin, like paper thin, yeah. de- like character development, and then it keeps coming back to the dad over and over. Like the dad is the anchor throughout the story. Yeah, he's in he the was... beginning with like he hates his dad in the beginning at the yeah. especially at the hockey game. Yeah, then he hates his dad in the middle when he brings a girlfriend there. Then his dad at the end tries to make peace with him. I'm like I think this story's about the dad. Yeah, it was more like the wife dying tragically young of cancer was more just a vehicle for the yeah. son to reunite with his dad. Serve the purpose of, yeah, yeah. And I think was, you're absolutely right. It was more of, I don't know. So it was oh, just annoying like that. Going back to the Oliver story, where he meets another woman, but they break up, and really it's just him developing his relationship with his dad, then he eventually works at his dad's company. I think you're right. I think this is all about his dad. Two books and two movies. All about yeah. uh, a, a rich boy that can't get along with his dad. Also, <laughs> did you... So I had, like, the, the print version. You, I'm assuming you read it in the electronic version. Yep. Did you have an introduction in yours? Because I had the, the 50th anniversary edition, which had a... Oh, I skipped it. introduction yeah. by the the author's daughter. Oh, cool. Um, which She was, loved it, I imagine? Didn't bother her at all? Well, it was it. weird. It was, like, six pages of this, but the gist of it was, like, yeah, this isn't great literature, but a lot of people <laughs> liked it, so... There you go. Seriously? That's, that what, was, that's what it boiled down <laughs> to. She really? Yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. I love that. I mean, she was, like, speaking well of it or whatever. And, and that she acknowledges it's not going, great literature? Uh, yeah. And, and, you know, not so many words. Yeah, I would say so. That's amazing. Um, another thing I po- uh, pulled out is that he's so obsessed with manliness. Um, I don't know. Like, he's a ladies' man and how he's, like, Oh, also, his, I'm sorry. Go ahead. The, the introduction from the daughter's author. Yeah. Or the author's daughter. So, yep. Uh, long before the internet and nearly four decades before the phrase going viral entered our lexicon, <laughs> Love Story did precisely that. Until then, 
Only the Beatles had swept the world in quite that way. Okay. Yeah, let's... Let's, let's calm the hell down. Let's calm down let's here, calm the hell down. Francesca Siegel. I know you liked your dad and everything, but let's 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 <laughs> take know, a step back here. Yeah. yeah, that's ridiculous. Um, I really didn't like at all the message of what his ideal of being like a cool guy was, because it was all about women love me, I'm great at sports, I'm, I'll fight you. Like, it's just all the classic shit without actually showing anything with the character that makes it valid. So it, be, it became really just a mouthpiece for the author, who's, if you've seen a photo of him, is not a manly man at all, which means he's overcompensating like hell in this book. Have you seen a photo of this guy? Yeah, I saw one on Wikipedia. He's, His head yeah. is a giant, big, bony thing on a tiny little frame. He's a, he is not, he's a Harvard man through and through, but he is not a manly man. Um, so one of his things was he talked about when him and uh, his girlfriend finally have sex and his roommate has to keep leaving because they want to get together and have sex. So he talks about how he pities him for having to leave every time that they want to make out. Then he lists off all the ways that his roommate is not good at hockey like he is. I mean, there was like a page dedicated yeah. to like, and he fucks this up. He's not good at this, but he's a very close friend of mine. Uh, it drove me nuts. What's good? Yeah. Love means never having to say you're sorry. <laughs> I can't wait to use that on whoever the fuck makes the mistake of dating me. Uh, and also the other quote, <laughs> when he got when he got done trying to make like a, a, a slap shot into the goalie, uh, and then he missed, and someone said, what the hell are you doing? What are you lazy? And then his reply was, what, is it, what does it look like? Am I beating off? <laughs> What does it look like? I'm beating off. I'm going to use that so often now, all the time. <laughs> like if I drop something or I'm taking out the garbage and whatever, it's like, oh, oh look what you did there. Like, ah, oh, what does it look like? I'm beating off. I'm going to have a lot of fun with that. You got anything for what's good? Not really, no. All right, fine. I mean, a lot of people liked it, so that's nice. Is it, though? I don't know. It's like Twilight, just I, a I don't shitty representation be, like, of relationships. I don't want to be too snobby about books, though, like if... Read what you like. A lot of people liked it, so whatever. It, it resonated with a lot of people, apparently. So, is this your attitude when we read the last Twilight book too? Something you're gonna have this like great attitude about? <sighs> if you like it, you like it. Probably not. Shitty relationship messages. I guess at least just it was shitty sh- relationship messages. It was short. It was short. I read it. You know, I read it in its entirety on a plane yesterday, so I that know. was nice. I was annoyed in the first 15 pages, and I'm like, I can tell I'm not going to like this, uh-huh. and I wasn't wrong. I mean, I've been wrong in the past. I start out like, oh, this is going to suck, and hey, it's, it got better. Later. I guess, I, guess I would one. say it was easy to read, and for as many problems as we have with the author and the message, at least, I don't think it's super pretentious. It was pretty straightforward. I, I think the author, he wasn't trying to be too clever or too deep or anything with this. I think it was... No, but he did hammer you over the head with his own fantasies about himself being a man. Yeah. I mean, hammered you constantly. <laughs> but I don't think he was trying to be too deep or too... No. It was it was no, pretty he straightforward. He was deep. like, here it is. He did make what he probably projects himself as the protagonist to be the victim during his wife's death. Like, oh, God, it feels so bad for me. She's dead. Like, no, you should really write this story about her and why it's sad that she died. It it really is all just him. Like, she's barely there. Then it's him reuniting with his father. Yeah. For what the hell? I have, uh, he's a shitty boyfriend. 
Uh, yeah. He There's one point after the hockey game where he says they're leaving, and she didn't want to give him a kiss. And he goes, well, I may not call you for a few months. And she goes, why? And he goes, then again, I may call you when I get home. And she goes, bastard. And then he goes, see, you can dish it out, but you can't take it. Just <laughs> talking down to her. Oh, look, I outwitted you again, because I'm from Harvard. <laughs> he conspired with the doctor not to tell her about her own yeah, body. Yeah, that that's bad. <laughs> he reflects on how he's only kissed her for the first few weeks, and if the other girls knew that they would question her femininity. There was that. <laughs> before they finally made out. Yeah, and then when they did make he's... out, she's got this weird cross that she's wearing, and it became... Yeah, this... it's like welded. To... She can't... She can't ever remove it. Yeah. yeah. Just... Uh, and then he gets jealous of someone named Phil, which turns out to be her dad. Yeah. Uh, then he speculates on who it was that he thinks he knows. Uh, and he says he doesn't know, this person can't know her physically. He can't wave more than his baton. Uh, and then he thinks about how the man isn't as big as him or manly. And he tells her that he uh, got injured in the hockey game earlier. And she goes, oh, so how did the other guy turn down? He goes, worse. Like, I beat him up worse than he beat up me. Yeah. He tells her that. Uh, they always uh, makes the other guy take a worse beating because uh, he wants to let her know that he will beat the shit out of whoever has interest in her. Yes. So horrible message to uh-huh. give her. <laughs> this is not someone you would, would want to. I certainly wouldn't want my kids to date anybody like that. Uh, well, would you recommend? We've come a long way in the last fifty years, I guess. Maybe that's part of the take. Have we? Because we've read Twilight. <laughs> uh, you're right. God damn it! Yeah. It hasn't gotten any better uh, at all. Right. Twilight is clearly, I'm. I don't push my buttons because I will kill you. <laughs> I can't control it either. It's just yeah. It's well, happen. yeah, yeah. New uh, lighthearted Ben says that uh, if I say, would you recommend it? You're gonna go well if you like books like that. I'm gonna say no. No, I'm not gonna recommend message. it. Okay, good. No, good. don't don't read this. <laughs> good, thank you. Oh, Ben's back. Oh, good, Ben's back. I don't know what the hell is influencing you to be this weird loosey-goosey band that doesn't want to commit to hating something. Ben's back. Yeah, no, I didn't like this. I, mean, I was... There's a segment of our show, like, saying, what's good? I was trying. I was trying to be charitable and find something. Yeah. Okay, no, I was trying, I but I still don't recommend this. It's a crap book. Good. Thanks. Thank fucking... Yeah. All right, well, uh, do you want to have a Ben's Corner? Yep. Do you got anything you want to read for us here? Uh, a little section of this book. So this is uh, you know, this is the uh, the scene. You know the, the, the what what this book is known for. If, if the one singular part of it, the quote. Fuck yeah. Yeah, leading up to the quote. So they they were they had a little argument. He threw a telephone at her. Oh, that's she, right. Yeah. Threw a whole telephone at yep. her. Yep. <laughs> Ripped it off the wall. And, and threw, threw it. it at Which her. it's just he's just passionate, Ben. He's passionate. He's got a lot of feelings inside. You learn to forgive that. Um, so she ran out as she should. Yeah, um, for her own safety, sure. He, he uh, went after her, but he waited a minute or two, and she was she was long gone. Yeah. So he went all over town looking for her. Finally, he he kind of gave up and went back to the apartment, and and this is as he's getting back to the apartment. All right. I wasn't running now. I mean, what was the rush to return to the empty house? It was very late, and I was numb. More with fright than with the cold. Although it wasn't warm, believe me. 
<laughs> From several yards off, I thought I saw someone sitting on the top of the steps. This had to be my eyes playing tricks because the figure was motionless. But it was Jenny. <laughs> she was sitting on the top step. I was too tired to panic, too relieved to speak. Inwardly, I hoped she had some blunt instrument with which to hit me. <laughs> <laughs> That's a weird line of logic, but go ahead. <laughs> Sorry, that just got me for some weird reason. Jen? Ollie! <laughs> oh, God, here it comes. Please. We both spoke so quietly, it was impossible <laughs> to take an emotional reading. I forgot my key! <laughs> Jenny said. <laughs> I stood there at the bottom of the steps, afraid to ask how long she had been sitting, knowing only that I had wronged her terribly. Jenny, I'm sorry. Stop! <laughs> She cut off my apology, then said very quietly, Love means never, not ever daring to say you're sorry. Perfect. Perfect execution. You did really well. I climbed up the stairs to where she was sitting. I'd like to go to sleep, okay? She said. Okay. We walked up to our apartment. As we undressed... She looked at me reassuringly. I meant what I said, Oliver! <laughs> and that was all. So reassuring. <laughs> well, that was good work, Ben. What are you going to read next? Oh, shit, I don't know. What? Uh, Should what we just we dive into the fucking The Last Twilight? Should we just do it? Just pull yeah, it Yeah, it seems like a good summer read, huh? <laughs> We're in July here. Be a good light beach read. God, it's going to take like nine episodes. It is, because isn't it fucking 700 pages or whatever? Yeah, it is. Jesus Christ. All right, and it's all should... like we already know the stories is from Edward's perspective yeah, instead of Bella's. Pre- what? Oh, God, I can't wait. Oh, look at how annoyed you already are. This is going to make... I'm already annoyed that Love Story, he tried to milk it with like Oliver's side of the story. And here's a bunch of movies and a television show. And now we're going to go back into Twilight, which already makes like a little... A, a tiny little Gibbons fist has grabbed around my heart with its long fingers and just is pulling <laughs> and pulling in. And it makes me so angry because it's like that Gibbons fist has no reason being in my body and it makes me angry that it's there. That's how this book makes me feel. <laughs> I, uh, but yeah, I mean, let's just do it and let's get this behind us because then we'll never have to read a Twilight again. I mean, the I other hope. one is The Naked Face by Sidney Sheldon, nope, which I have on my it. shelf. Okay. We're doing Twilight. Let's just get it. Uh, and wait, that's optimistic. We'll never have to read another Twilight. I know. I was just going to say, as soon as I said that, I'm like, no, she's going to come out with another one. Yeah, God, you know it. she is. But at least we have like a year or so before she tries to Oh, yeah, to it's going to be a while. Shit. Yeah, so we'll have a while. Because it's right carefully now, crafted. She has to. You can't rush art like that. <laughs> Even though she probably already wrote it back in 2008. Yep. It's like, I wrote it while I was taking a shit. And so now <laughs> I'm going to rework it and republish it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we'll do it. Let's just pull it. Because it's been staring at me. Every time I do show notes and stuff, it's just sitting there. <laughs> whatever the hell it's called. With the, the All right. weird grapefruit. And it's just disturbing. So, so. In, in two weeks, we'll review the first part of Midnight Sun by... Yeah, we're going to need two weeks, too. Like, we're going to have to for real. Like, I did Love Story, like, literally today. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I read it literally on the plane yesterday. Like, the whole thing. But this one's going to be, like, days and days and days. It's going to be a goddamn ordeal. Yeah, 
So we'll see. Two All weeks, right. maybe stretch it out longer, depending. So the first half, we're gonna cut it. In well, half. I don't know about half. I have to. I'll get the book. I'll see how it breaks up. Even I don't oh, you think... don't have it already? No, I don't have it. What kind of Twilight fan are you? Yeah, I, I was putting it. off buying it as long as I had to. I already read it like twice now. Yeah, fuck you. Yeah. All right, fine. So I'll, I'll get it. I'll, I'll assess it. I think it's going to be more than a two episode. Oh, thing, absolutely. It? Yeah, it's going to be huge. I'm sure she's added a ton of points of view for Edward. Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah, it's going to be so bad. Well, with that, uh, thanks for listening, and we'll see you whenever we decide to sit down and start reading the next goddamn Twilight book. Yep. (laughs) All right, Ben, there you go. Uh, All right. Another episode in the bag. In the bag. How do you... uh... Bag it and take it. (laughs) That's what Oliver would say before he met (laughs) Jenny. (laughs) Bag it and take it that cheese. God, I hated that character so much. <laughs> it was so clear so that bad. tiny little man that called himself a Harvard athlete yeah. who wrote the book. Uh, of course he throws a tantrum on national television for the Olympics because he has no sense of decency. He's just a Harvard... I don't know. Something about being this Harvard guy, like, I'm a real man. None of this is going in the show. Something about being this, like... Well, some of it could. Nah, it's a tantrum that's yeah, not worth keeping. But something about, like, <laughs> being a Harvard man, like, I'm a Harvard man, and also I'm, like, a sexy, manly man. It's like, no. Manly men work in, like, steel yards and shit. <laughs> like, like, you need to live a hard life. <laughs> like, you don't go to Harvard. You need to, like go to a community college and stuff. It's just it was so annoying. The whole book drove me crazy. Yeah. I couldn't. That's the reason why it's not staying in the show. It's bad. It's a personal, oh God, just rich people. And then when he, when he <laughs> break, when the actual author breaks down to say that's Bush League shit, it's like, you mean poor people shit? Fuck you. <laughs> God damn you. <laughs> oh, the commoners are running out on the field. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> oh, what? The uh, drunk lady just connected with me on LinkedIn. <laughs> what did right. she say? Oh, let's, nothing. No, no she just accepted my invitation, but let's let the job offers roll in now. If you liked what you heard on this episode of The Book Boys, how about you check out the website? Go over to nuzzlehouse.com. There you can see all of the previous episodes of The Book Boys, as well as Glenn's other project, Leaves of Glenn. Also there, there's a link to our affiliate shop at bookshop.org. It's bookshop.org slash shop slash nuzzlehouse. Bookshop.org is on a mission to financially support independent booksellers. Also, find us and follow us on social media. We're on Twitter and Insta. Now, careful, this one's a little backwards. We're there at House Nuzzle, not Nuzzle House. That's House Nuzzle on Twitter and Instagram. Go ahead and slide into our DMs if you have any praise or suggestions or complaints. We'll take anything. Please just pay attention to us and interact with us. Thank you for listening.